Welcome to the Fordham IPLJ podcast with your online editor, Anthony Zangrillo. This week, I'm here with special guest, Mark Mistal, partner at Gottlieb, Rackman, and Reisman. Mark specializes in all areas of trademark and copyright litigation and prosecution, and has extensive familiarity with domain name and internet issues. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Thank you for having me. So this week, we're going to be talking about a note that I published in the Fordham Intellectual Property Journal, basically talking about the unauthorized use of trademarks in movies, television programs, and video games. Now, Mark, I understand you had this experience more in the copyright realm? Yeah, that, that's right. We had an instance uh, for one of our clients maybe three or four years ago uh, where one of their products was featured in a major blockbuster who that I, I won't specify and they can't, uh, but you, you would definitely recognize it if I, if I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was featured there, and it was featured in a more prominent role. It wasn't, uh, you know, this wasn't one of those cases where something was in the background for 10 seconds. Um, the product was used by main characters in, you know, all told probably about 10 minutes uh, out of the movie. Um, and ultimately, uh, the, the main characters uh, damaged the product. Uh, and the way that they damaged it uh, certainly suggested that the product was not well made. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, the client found out about this and was not happy because permission had not been uh, sought beforehand. Um, it, it is a, the, the product uh, was the subject of a copyright registration. It was copyrightable subject matter. And, um, you know, they do have the right to control how it's uh, displayed. And they found out about this. They weren't too thrilled and they asked us to reach out to the uh, movie studio behind the film, uh, which we did, and we were ultimately able to work things out, but it's certainly uh, an issue, and it's certainly something that uh, clients and content owners are sensitive to. They want their products uh, and their marks to be portrayed uh, in a positive light, uh, unsurprisingly. Nobody is uh, terribly happy when things are portrayed uh, in a negative light. Yes, and and that's really interesting. I mean, I remember in copyright law, one of the classes I took, um, what was it? I think the What Women Want movie with uh, Mel Gibson, that the owner of the pinball machine, which maybe it was in it like a minute or two, they sued saying that it was violating the copyright, but the court determined it was de minimis use. And it sounds like here that it was very important if it was like 10 minutes. That is a lot of, that's a significant amount of screen time. Yeah, this, this, this was not, um, you know, it was not a background uh, use. This mm-hmm. was definitely interacting uh, with two main characters uh, in the movie. Um, you know, it was certainly not in the entire movie, uh, but it was there for, you know, probably, you know, going back on my memory a little bit, but probably about 10 minutes or so of mm-hmm. the movie um, and really ha- 
handled and interacted uh, with main characters. So I don't think, and certainly our position was that this was not a, um, a de minimis use. Um, the movie studio didn't necessarily agree with us. Um, you know, that's, everybody is allowed to their, uh, you know, title their opinion. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it raises the point that people can be very sensitive to how things, uh, how things are portrayed. I, on the trademark side, uh, there, there's actually an interesting recent case uh, that brings that uh, that concern into uh, into the picture. Uh, there's a, um, a newspaper called The Sporting Times based in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And uh, apparently last year there was a movie called Spaceman uh, about a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox and they, um, and apparently he had um, some drug and alcohol problems, um, and he may have had some political views that were unpopular. Um, and the film apparently features a fake version of the sporting news reporting uh, on this picture, uh, Bill Lee, who I guess his nickname was Spaceman. Um, and the sporting news is apparently very unhappy about this. They their claim is that they uh, position themselves as family friendly, family friendly, and dedicated to youth sports. Uh, so this really, from their point of view, apparently goes against their the image that they've cultivated. And they've actually filed a lawsuit uh, in Kentucky, uh, seeking uh, roughly two million dollars in damages uh, for trademark infringement uh, as a result of this. Um, they deem an inappropriate association. I wonder, I haven't had a chance to look at the complaint, but I wonder if that's a claim for infringement or if there's dilution or if there's mm -hmm. there. Yes. I mean, it seems like they're trying to make almost like a tarnishment type of argument that they don't like yes. what they're being associated with. Now, um, in my note, it's interesting that it could depend on what, where this action was brought. Because... Um, so it sounds like here it was they used they used the mark and the word in it. Like was it the uh, newspaper? I, I believe. I mean, they, cer they certainly, from my understanding of the case, they used the name uh, "Sporting Times" on a replica paper, but that's not a true copy. Oh, that actually could be really interesting. Um, so there was a case in um, the Second Circuit about the Hangover Two. Basically, one uh -huh. of the characters used a knockoff. Uh, Louis Vuitton bag and Louis Vuitton sued based on saying, you know, you're using the trademark, but even that it's the wrong one. Like it's a knockoff bag, but the court basically said under the artistic relevance uh, standard, it's very low to meet that uh, bar in the second circuit that the judge said, this is a joke that in order to develop that character, he is a certain type of person that would have a knockoff bag and be very, you know, snooty about it. So that was the okay. joke. And they said, this is artistically relevant. We should allow the trademark use. So it could be interesting here if it was like, you know, a made-up paper, but they used, you know, the word or the logo on there. In another yeah. circuit, they may not approve of that use of the trademark. 
they, they very well may not. It's certainly telling that the case is in Kentucky and not, uh, not Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, from my understanding, the, it's a fake version of that paper, and apparently the headline relates to this, uh, this picture, uh, Bill Lee, um, and that's why it was done. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how. Here it's clearly not a... Well, I, I will take a step back and say I haven't seen the movie, so it's hard for me to... Well, but my, understa- my understanding is that it's not a, it's not, this is not intended as a, as a joke or any, uh, any type of satiric uh, commentary. I think the production of the movie may have been intended as a joke because it currently has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't know if anyone will be seeing this film. I, I <laughs> haven't, haven't seen it, so I can't vouch for how bad or, or good the, uh, the movie is. Um, but there is a lawsuit pending. Yes. <laughs> um, so, a question uh, I have for you is, how do you think a lot of these trademark holders are very like worried about the control of the mark? That even though there are these possible First Amendment defenses that artists can bring, how concerned should these trademark holders be with possibly being associated with certain films that are not with their brand? Oh look, I think uh, I think whether you're talking about trademark owners or you're talking about uh, celebrities dealing with uh, rights of publicity, there's clearly a concern about how they're portrayed um, and what they're associated with. I mean, in the news this morning, uh, I read and I forget the names of the companies, but uh, some several big name companies uh, have apparently decided they're going to stop advertising on YouTube because YouTube can't guarantee that their advertisements will appear next to non-controversial videos on on YouTube. Um, So it's definitely a concern, um, and definitely a concern for some. Now, you know, there might be some brand owners where uh, it's not as much of a concern. Um, You know, and that's fine. It's going to vary from from brand to brand, mm-hmm. um, you know, it depends on the type of reputation they're trying to cultivate, um, and you know what they're what they're going for. Somebody going for an edgier reputation might be open to things that somebody going for a more classic or conservative uh, perception might not be open to. Um, so it's going to depend on, in part, uh, how the brand is, is positioned. Um, but there, there's definitely a sensitivity to it, um, and it's probably, you know, becoming uh, more and more, um, and, you know, probably the political climate, the current political climate, uh, is probably influencing that uh, a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. And as a final question, I would say, so from the other side now, How do you think a lot of these, as I would call them, gatekeepers, such as movie studios or video game developers, are concerned about these lawsuits, even though I would say overall in my note, usually the artists win on the First Amendment defense, they may want to just get uh, the movie studios a a license and force a license, even though it's technically unnecessary. How concerned uh, do you think these movie studios are about getting these licenses? 
Well, I, you know, I can tell you in the in the copyright case that we discussed earlier, um, you know, our position was, you know, you should have contacted us for a license. We get contacted for this type of thing all the time. And the answer that I got back was, we don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that was a few years ago. Um, I'm not sure whether or not the position has uh, changed. Um, you know, it, part of it depends on how uh, how risk adverse you are. Um, you know, if you don't want to have any issues, then you go out and you get all of your licenses, get every, all your ducks in a row, and make sure there are no issues. If you're willing to, to take a chance, uh, you know, then maybe you don't get everyone. Uh, maybe there's something that's in, in a movie for, you know, all of 10 minutes and you decide, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen here? I'll take my chances. Um, again, it, it really depends on the tolerance uh, for, for risk. Um, you know, that being said, nobody ever likes, the, the only people who like litigation uh, really are the lawyers. Mm-hmm. The, party, the parties never like it, um, and it's mostly because they have to pay the lawyers. Yes. So at some point, uh, somebody's going to say, you know, I'd rather pay, you know, X for a license than pay, even though I'm right, pay my lawyers Y and have to spend all this time dealing with the headache of a lawsuit. Yes. Um, so, that, you know, that's also a part of the, uh, the calculus. And, you know, as I was doing my research, really the thing that I found was it depended on who the mark holder was. So let's say somebody like the NFL, that they had a history of always wanting total control. So recently, I think it was, what, two years ago, the release of Concussion. It appears that the film was more like a condemnation of the league. It turned more into a whistleblower story, possibly because of the NFL's inclusion. Yeah, that, that, may, that may very well be. Um, I do remember there being uh, some controversy before the, the movie came out. Sometimes, I suppose that sometimes uh, if you can get involved and influence the portrayal, then you know, that may also be helpful. Uh, you know, talking about uh, companies with, with reputations, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, LVMH before. Uh, there's a fairly recent case out of the Second Circuit uh, where they took some action against somebody who was selling uh, handbags that had an image of an LVMH bag, and I think the rear of it or the other side said, my other bag is a, you know, kind of as a mm. joke that uh, this was a tote bag and the, the other or the person's other bag was whatever uh, LVMH bag was, was shown. Uh, <laughs> very clearly meant as a joke, and LVMH, uh, LVMH took, uh, took umbrage at this, and it went all the way up to the Second Circuit. And I forget if it was the district court judge or circuit court judges who said it, but somewhere along the lines, one of the judges basically said, uh, in almost these terms, they basically said, you know, LVMH, you got to get a sense of humor. <laughs> um, well, that's what it so, is sometimes. But, but on the flip side, I would say it's pretty well known that 
LVMH is very act, very active in policing its marks. Um, and if you use something uh, that's theirs or that they think is infringing or tarnishes their their image, they will come after you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Mark. So hope to have you on in the future. Well, thank. Thank you very much for, for inviting me and for having me. I hope this was uh, was useful. Yes, it was great. Okay, see everyone next week.